1: thing on This still work hello who is who is this is this derek uh no it's, it's steve. steve yeah am i am i welcome back or
0: welcome back that's right yeah you missed the 1000th show thanks for showing up for the big anniversary It meant a lot to me <laughs> apparently not to you <laughs> well but, I mean, uh, you know, you, you know. <laughs> you've done 998 of these things what's a thousand I, I
1: was gonna say i think it was the first ones <laughs> i've missed
0: <laughs> literally was no, we missed you, man. You were uh, gone for a couple weeks, a little vacay, which well, is great. I was. Little first, time, mishap. first
1: time in my life I've ever taken two weeks off. So
0: That's incredible. Is that really for your entire
1: working adult life? Yeah. there's, uh, Yeah, though, I've never taken a two-week vacation before. So. Wow.
0: Wow. Well, um... We're happy you're back, but a, a, a little mishap, I guess, on the way. Everybody's okay, but a little little bender there, huh?
1: Uh, yeah, there's a deer that's not okay, but our car is. Mm. So, um, mm. yeah, that's not. It's not fun to get in an, an accident like that away from home. No way. So we took a road trip and we went to see family in uh, Virginia and then the Carolinas, and then we stopped in Atlanta on the way home. But you know, when you wreck your car that far away, the insurance company doesn't really care. No, they and don't, so you know my car is being repaired uh what ten hours from here, and so at some point I'm gonna to have to go back and get the car and uh they don't really care that you know it didn't happen in Tampa, so but that's the way well, it goes, but everyone's healthy, everyone's fine, no issues as far as that goes, and um, you know it's a car it'll get fixed and repaired, and yeah, we'll figure it out that's what we do,
0: yeah, sucks for you, suck for the deer even worse, I would imagine, yes,
1: that deer um, is not in very good shape, so
0: yeah, wow. Well, we're glad that everybody's okay. We're glad you're back. I am still, as we do this podcast, in uh, somewhere between Canton and Cleveland, Ohio, where I spent the weekend at the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Of course, John Lynch going in on Sunday, along with uh, the class of 2021. Peyton Manning, of course, was the headliner. John had to follow him, unfortunately for John. And uh, you know, it, it was it was a great weekend. I mean, Lynch had his party. Uh, now, get ready. I'm going to pick up, pick up some names because I'm going to drop them all over the place. John had his party on, I guess it was Saturday night in downtown Canton at a uh, an old hotel It's now an event place. Uh, and it was beautiful. It was a great party. And the uh, a lot of guys came. I mean, you know, John, of course, he's the current general manager of the San Francisco 49ers, longtime Buccaneer, nine seasons here in Tampa Bay, and then on to Denver for four more seasons where he made the Pro Bowl each year. So he had three organizations basically represented at this party, probably about two hundred, two hundred and fifty people. And um it was a who's who. And it you know, going all the way back to when he was drafted, uh, you know, in nineteen ninety three, a lot of front office executives, Rich McKay, Timmy Rusco, you know, John Idzik, like all these guys. Um, the Glazers were there, of course, Joel and Brian and their families. And um, you know, it it was just a uh, it was just a great event. So many players from the Bucks. And other teams, as well. But you know the Trent Dophers and Mike Allstotts and tons of defensive backs. Of course, Derek Brooks, um, you know Brian Kelly, uh, you know Jermaine Phillips. I mean, guys I hadn't seen in quite a while. A lot of quarterbacks: Trent Dilfer, as I mentioned, uh, uh, Brad Johnson, Mike Allstott. So all those guys were there, and it was it was cool. You know, because I mean, this is only the third modern day. I, I say modern day. I mean, Leroy Selman played. You know. I think he went in the Hall of Fame in 1995. But of this group that won a Super Bowl, um, this is their third player. Of course, Tony Dungy's in for his work here and with the Colts. So you got Sapp, Brooks, and now Lynch. And I think Rodney Barber will be next. But um, hell of a party, man. I mean, they, they put on a great spread, a great, great party. And then they had a surprise musical guest. And, yes, it went all night long. It was Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie walks out. That is awesome. I was was like, what, what, what they go, Hey, we're going to have a little surprise musical entertainment here in just a minute. And then they set up and we're like, well, who's this going to be? Like, I'm thinking some country guy, you know, um, I don't know, Tim McGraw. Like, I don't know. I just saw him in, in, uh, in July 4th. So, uh, out walks Lionel Richie who's 72 years old, you know? And of course, you know, you see him on American Idol as a judge quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, he he was great, man. And of course, you know we all know the songs, right, from the '80s and '90s and um, all those anthems of his. But uh, it, it was it was just cool. It, it was big time entertainment, big time party. Um, you know, John was. Uh, <laughs> I was worried about him on Sunday night because Saturday night he lost his voice. <laughs> he was he was singing along and and talking on the microphone so much that by the end of the night he couldn't talk at all. And if you listen to his speech, he starts out, he's he's a little hoarse, but um, he, he powered through it and uh, gave a great speech. I, I thought, you know, it was what I expected from John. I had done a podcast with him while you were away, Steve, mm-hmm. and interviewed him. And he just, you know, he he kind of takes you on the journey, as a lot of guys do, you know, when they get to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, they want to thank a lot of people, and he, he attempted to do that, starting with his wife. And his message was simply that, you know, we all need – little confidence boosters. We need, we need people in our lives that will um, nurture, you know, that, that sort of thing. And uh, he certainly had that, you know, all through his life, not just his parents and his wife. But, um, you know, this is a kid that, you know, went to Stanford as a quarterback and for two years didn't play. Denny Green switched him to safety, um, played a little bit. Bill Walsh called him when he took over as a head coach there and said, I think you can be a Pro Bowl safety. And, and, and he convinced John of that in, with just five plays on film. And, you know, and then, of course, the Bucks drafted him in the third round. At the same time, he's thinking his future's in baseball because he was a second-round pick of the Marlins throughout the first pitch in that organization. I mean, there's so many um, things that happened along the way. Tony Dungy, Herm Edwards, who was his co-presenter. So um, the journey that, that uh, he took us on in, in those six or seven minutes of his speech was really good. And then And then he just challenged, you know, all of us to to work together for a greater cause and put side differences and all that stuff so you know it was smart it was thoughtful it was what John Lynch is and what he represents and um just really really good good weekend you know overall but a lot of fun man just just a heck of a lot of fun on um, Saturday night maybe too much fun and then that thing went to about two o'clock in the morning man uh on Sunday and then of course the uh uh, you know the Hall of Fame uh, class of 2021 induction ceremonies were on Sunday, so I enjoyed it. It's uh, it's you know it's always great to get up here in Canton, Ohio, and um, yeah, it was it was good stuff.
1: Well, you haven't even mentioned the goat was there.
0: Well, the goat was there. Yeah, I haven't mentioned that, um, but I will now since you did. So, you know this this was a, a story that I broke uh, last week about you know his decision. And really, you know, he he kind of got Bruce Arians on board, Clyde Christensen, and Tom Moore to come with him. Uh, of course, all those guys coach Peyton Manning with the Colts. In fact, Arians was Manning's first quarterbacks coach in the NFL with the Colts. And then, of course, Tom Moore was there, longtime offensive coordinator. Clyde was quarterbacks coach and then offensive coordinator. But for Tom Brady, right, the, the arch rival, the, 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 uh, the nemesis of Peyton Manning, for years and years, and here's the thing, like they – this is unlike any rivalry in the NFL because, you know, typically you got to play a lot. And for these two guys, they met like 17 times, I think, or something. And um, I believe it was five times in the playoffs. I think Peyton held a three-to-two edge maybe in championship games. And so, you know, they were always battling out not just for, you know, who was going to get home field advantage, but, but many times, five times, the, for, to see who went to the Super Bowl and or won it. And so um everybody assumed i think that you know that they were rivals and therefore you know they had some respect but but the Colts fans certainly didn't like Manning and and the Patriots fan um I'm sorry the Colts fans didn't like Brady and the Patriots fans didn't like Manning. But the truth is they were they were they became good friends and they became friends before anybody knew it. Um you know Clyde Christensen tells the story and i repeated it. Uh, in my story about John Lynch on Sunday that you can read on tampa bay.com that um you know there there was a time when they they were at the top of their games the two of them um there really wasn't any of the quarterbacks on par with them and so they felt like they could only learn from each other and so they got together in Chattanooga, Tennessee a little bit at Clyde's urging, he said, "Why don't you invite him?" And, you know, and they ended up having uh, in Chattanooga just Manning and Brady, sort of a summit, sort of a quarterback summit, if you will. And they played golf. They would work out in the morning. They played golf in the afternoon, and then they, you know, talk ball the rest of the time. And you know, what do you do against a bear defense? How do you handle the media? What about a selfish receiver? You know, all those things. And and nobody ever found out. I mean, up until the point where just recently, when, when Clyde sort of um revealed it uh, and so you know this this friendship has been there um sort of out of the public eye but but for brady who has not been to the hall of fame you know m- very few great players want to come here they'll come here for teammates but very few of them want to come unless it's their turn especially if you're that guy that's going to be in the hall of fame um you kind of want to keep it fresh and, and for whatever reason i don't know if it's superstitious whatever but I asked Brady, and I did. I did see him when he arrived, um, you know, at uh, on the on the field there where he was going to sit uh, in the Colts section of all things at the Hall of Fame, and and I was, my wife and I were there, and we greeted him. hadn't I have not? This is the first time I have shaken shook the hand of Tom Brady. I mean, it's incredible. Like he's been here a year plus. And I finally got to actually meet him. He's seen me standing there, you know, 20 feet away asking questions of him this year. But, um and he knows who I am. It's just, it's weird to me that it took that long. But, you know, in Canton, Ohio, of all places. But we we're it just turned out we were like the first ones on the floor when he when he came in. So from that standpoint, that was cool. And then we went backstage and he met with Manning. I got some pictures if you want to check out on my Twitter feed, at NFL.com, or, or, or Stroud, what is it? At NFL Stroud, Um. And on Twitter, so there's some there's some pictures of him backstage with uh, you know meeting Manning, and then I think Roger Staubach came up. Of course, Charles Woodson, his former teammate at Michigan. So it was just, listen, it it was really neat. I thought Manning's speech was terrific. He got a shot in on Brady. It was just good stuff all the way around.
1: Well, and it's exactly what you expect from Manning. I mean, one of the things that he's been very good at in his career, and particularly his post career, is the media and and handling those kind of speeches and the self-deprecation and, and but taking jabs at people too and he's going to do that Monday night uh alternate show with his brother Eli and stuff. I mean that's what Manning's very good at that stuff. And, and oh, yeah. you expected nothing less in that speech from him.
0: His shot at at uh Brady was good. He, he was talking about I mean this year because they had the Centennial class held over because of COVID. Mhm. And then they added the 2021 class. So the whole weekend was I mean, the, the largest class ever. It's like 21,
1: 21 people went in or something yeah. like that this year.
0: I mean, it's crazy. So when you add all those people up, um, it's going to take some time. It took two days. But what the Hall of Fame did was they said, well, you know, we've had some long speeches in the past. We can't possibly get all these people up there and, in, in, uh, in, you know, inducted um, unless we limit these speeches. So they told the players, the guys that were going in the Hall of Fame, hey, keep it to seven, six or seven minutes. And so, right away, Manning's speech was hilarious because he st- he started talking about how, you know, when I'm quarterbacking, you probably saw me change the plays, and and I would constantly go, "Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up!" You know, I needed Jeff Saturday to snap the ball because the play clock was running down. You know, and uh, he goes, and I'm gonna this is the ultimate hurry up today because I got they're giving me six minutes you know, to talk about my entire career. <laughs> and he goes, so I'd like to thank all those past, uh, you know, guys that have been inducted that there were long-winded speeches because of them. And he pointed out Ray Lewis and some others. He goes, um, "I'm I'm down to six minutes. And then he took a shot at Brady. He goes, you know, by the time Tom Brady retires in 2030 – he says he'll be down to you know having to just post it on Inst- post his speech on Instagram. <laughs> so, and it was great. And Brady got booed. It was you know as soon as he mentioned Tom Brady, it was like woo, it, it rained down booze. And he turns around and he goes, "What did I do?" <laughs> and um, you know he he played it off. It, he was the perfect foil, you know, for uh, for Peyton Manning. But
1: well, and he's one of those boos. But think about the players that were inducted. Yeah, paint man. The Colts they don't like Brady and the Patriots. No, uh, the Raiders they do not like Brady and the Patriots for right. Charles Woodson. The Packers do not like Brady and the Patriots for Charles Woodson. I mean, you just start going through the teams that uh, of the the players that were inducted, and yeah, you're going. Of course, the fans booed him. I mean, you know Are that's they, what oh, you would expect. And then, you know Brady knew. And you're and you're and in the AFC well. town, right? Yeah. You're in
0: your you're between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Well,
1: that too. Yeah, that doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't uh, help your your cause for him either. So.
0: And you know Charles Woodson, who was his college teammate at Michigan, mm-hmm. um, you know he he made you know, the the whole Tuck rule thing was a result of him. I mean, yep, he caused a fumble that the Raiders absolutely recovered. And yes, I think it was a fumble, and so do most people, including John Gruden, till the day he dies. Well, but it,
1: it should be a fumble, but that's not the way the rule is written. By the rule, the, yeah, the rule was—I the, mean, they ruled it correctly on the field based on the rule. The rule is yeah. a bad rule, but
0: right. <laughs> And rarely enforced, but they did in this right. one. But, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that, yeah, you're right, Woodson, who was going in the Hall of Fame, a lot of Raider fans there. The last person they're going to applaud is Tom Brady. But there he sat, like I said, the perfect foil in the middle of Colt territory. I mean, he's sitting around some of the former players and, and coaches and things for the Colts. But he's also with guys like Arians and and, and Clyde and that. So, um, But, yeah, Manning, Manning, I could have listened to Manning for a good thirty, forty, six minutes. It didn't it didn't matter, but he he crammed it in. I think it was it, it edged over seven or eight, but um, he managed. They don't managed play, to they get, don't play you know, Oscar music under you. No, there. I thought they would. I thought they'd get the vaudeville hook and take them off, but they didn't. And you know, he he got everything he wanted to say in there. It was outstanding as you would expect, and and you know, thanked everybody. He got a little emotional talking about his father Archie, his mom Olivia, his brothers. Of course, who played you know big roles in in his life and um, just just hit all the right points in a, in a humorous like you said self deprecating way and uh, you know poked fun where they needed to poke fun, talked about the game, he was very introspective about hey you know i'm done playing football, but I'm not done with football you know um, we got to take care of this game there's a lot of competition uh, you know for people to uh, to play other sports and you know, there's obviously a lot wrong with the game today. Um, and I think that, you know, Manning sort of encouraged other players and, and all of us football fans to to be better stewards when it comes to, to the NFL because it, you can't take it for granted, you know. Um, things change, and, and I, I think he's concerned sort of about the game's future and for somebody that's poured as much of, of his heart into it or his family's. You know, the Mannings are like the first family of football. Um, you know, you can see why the future of it is so important to them. So it was really good. And I thought most of the guys had had great messages, um, great stories, you know, uh, all weekend long, really. It was just just really, you know, some terrific. Edger and James, who you wouldn't expect, like, what is Edge going to say, right? Mm-hmm. He was on Saturday. Fantastic speech. You know, in his own way. I mean, in his own words, his own style of saying things. Um, but, but some really, really funny stuff that he said, and you know, I came into this league with gold teeth, I'm leaving with a gold jacket. And, you know, he was criticized harshly, you know, kid out of the U, um, you know, that had, you know, the, the you know, the cornrows, the haircut, you know, the gold teeth, all that stuff, the way he looked, right? And how he presented himself. And it was, you know. It was all crap because all he was was a great player who busted his butt and did everything right and, and you know, got rewarded for it in Canton, Ohio. You know, and, you know, it was just I – th- I thought all the speeches were great. It's it, it When you're here in Canton with a player – and I've obviously known John since he came to the league in 93. I was covering the Bucks then, too, folks, believe it or not. Um, but, you know, he was one of the more thoughtful guys and, and – you know, really didn't look like early on he was going to be much of a player. They had him out of position. He was playing kind of a hybrid linebacker role. He was kind of in between from a size standpoint. But Tony Dungy and his defense needed somebody that could, you know, come play down low in the box and also cover, uh, and he was he was a perfect guy for it. And so they sort of built that defense around him. Everybody had to key where 47 was, and, you know, it, it launched him into a Hall of Fame career, but – he's just one of the better people, better human beings that you'll ever come across. I've covered a lot of players and and most of them are all really good guys and good, good fathers and husbands, but I don't think I've ever come across someone better than John Lynch. And that's why he's been so successful. And he has a great family that look like a Norman Rockwell painting. You know, they're all attractive and just, you know, good kids and, you know, three girls and a boy, Jake, who's at Stanford. It's got his senior year coming up. So, you know, really happy for him because he waited eight years as a finalist in the, in the top fifteen, and and you know we know you know only five get in modern day, and then sometimes one contributor, contributor and or coach, and so you know it's it, it's a select group, and everybody is deserving. It's like, well, you know, who do you take out of the Hall of Fame to put John in first? But he finally got his shot, and he said, he said, isn't "This is great. I waited all this time," and then they put me right behind Peyton Manning. I had to follow that act, but. But he did it. He was he was good. You know, his speech was really good. He held his own. And, um, you know, if you're a Bucks or a Broncos fan, man, you had to have you had to feel good about it. You had to feel good about John Lynch. The bus looks perfect. It's just like him with a little bit of that scowl, um, that intensity that he played with. So, you know, it, it was just a great, great weekend. And, um, you know, the Lynch family and their foundation did a great job of all the people that came. Taking care of them, um, making sure they had their tickets, transportation—you know—all um, sorts of of uh, things to to look out for those that came up here and and wanted to be part of the weekend. So, well,
1: and considering yeah. it was eight years in the making, as far as right, well, you know, I mean that's one of the longest stretches of being a finalist, and it is before getting into the hall, um, you know, and it's so deserving. I mean, you know, there's a lot of reasons he didn't make it earlier. You know, oh, yeah. a lot of it's the five person rule and some other safeties and that. But I mean, you know, he, you know, we've talked about this too. I mean, he never had the numbers. No, you know, like Rondé Barber's got the numbers, and right. when he Correct. comes up and in that, but that defense yeah. was built around John Lynch. It really was. I mean, you know, as good as Sapp and Brooks and and Barber and the rest of them were. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when you when you were playing against that defense, the first person you needed to know where he was is where's John Lynch? Was
0: forty seven? Yeah, yeah, you had to identify. Him.
1: Yeah, that was the guy you were game game planning for on the mm-hmm. offensive side. Um, oh. And he never got the numbers for it, and so maybe that that hurt getting into the Hall of Fame sooner. It did, but you know, so well deserving. I mean, if you yeah. watched him play, you you knew he's a Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah, you knew it was Sapp, Brooks, and Lynch, and that was their defense. Rondy, I think, will get in because Rondy has what what Lynch didn't have. Lynch, mm-hmm. was his, his premier years were 95 to 2005. Well, because of that, he's stuck in the middle of each decade. He didn't make an all-decade team. Yep. Rondy Barber did. Um, you can't really come up with a signature play the way you can with Rondy, which was the 92-yard interception return against Philadelphia mm-hmm. that sent them to the Super Bowl. That's his absolute signature play. Um, you know, revolutionizing a position, which – I think John did a little bit of that, but Rondé absolutely mastered it, right? He was that slot corner that could play the run. Also blitz, um, you know, talk about the, the 40-25 club or whatever it was, all the sacks and the interceptions. Um, so, you know, he he has all those markers that when you get in that room, and I've been there as a voter, you know, everybody wants wants to to kind of hit on those. And if you can check enough of those boxes – The difficult thing will be convincing those voters that there needs to be four players off one defense. And I I actually think it should be five because I think Simeon Rice is deserving as well. But, you know, you've got three in there already. They only won one Super Bowl, so you get a lot of that, right? Well, they were so great, but they were great as a defense. They didn't go to the Super Bowl because when they played the greatest show on turf against the, the, the St. Louis Rams, it was 6-5 to five until four minutes and 44 seconds left in that game. They're going to win that game 6-5. to five. That's how good the defense was against maybe you know, one of the best offenses in the history of the game. Um, they wound up losing that game down the stretch. Remember the Bird Emanuel rule, catch and all that. Um, they almost came back and won. But, you know, when you see those type of performances and they were good for like 10 straight, 10 or 12 straight years, they were one of the top defenses in the league. I think that's that's what you have to look at with John Lynch because he was in he was really in the middle of that. So um, you know, voters finally recognize that. You're right. Uh, you know, it took a while, got in there, um, and you know. So that's it, it. I can't describe to you because even though John has known for some time, going back to the last Super Bowl, he was in the Hall of Fame this week when you're here and the and and, and the reality is here and you have the party. And you see all your former teammates, um, you know, and the gold jacket ceremony one night. It is so incredibly humbling to these guys. You know, it is everything to them. And now, you know, they're part of immortality. Like there's they're part of another team that there's only 350 members of. If you think about it, there's been like 27, 28,000 players in the NFL and, you know, about 350 uh are in the pro football hall of fame so imagine how hard that is right it's hard enough to even get to the nfl now imagine those that actually make it here to canton ohio so congratulations to him hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news the Baltimore Orioles coming from behind a couple nights. Mm-hmm. Big, big night by Seminole High's own, right?
1: You know, I, I heard, I was listening to the game Sunday on the radio. Yeah. And Andy Freed was, uh, during one of the, the play-by-plays, late as they were scoring more runs in the seventh inning or later. And I, I, if, if I heard him correctly, you got the kids in the car, so you're not always hearing every word, but... The amount of runs they've scored in the seventh inning or later compared to their opposition—it's almost like it's—it's it's close to a hundred runs more. It's crazy. It, I think it's—I think he said eighty-three, and then of course they scored a lot more. That was before they started scoring today, which they scored what seven runs or six? Was it, uh, seven runs in the seventh inning or later today? Seven, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was uh, one in the seventh, and then six in the eighth uh, after the Brett Phillips grand slam. That how How they just beat up on team's bullpen, and how bad some of these bullpens are, oh gosh, I mean, you know and, and you sit there and look at the race, and how many how many of their bullpen arms are on the i l and they're still the best bullpen in baseball, yeah, and you're like, how are they doing this no, i I don't know you're running guys like d j Johnson out, who's ever heard of him before <laughs> oh no and, and granted, you know he left today with the shoulder injury, and hopefully he's going to be okay.
0: Well, he's a raised pitcher now. You got to leave pretty, you know, you got to go on the IL. Yeah. to be on the staff.
1: You know, but you read the story of like Lewis Head and Ends and 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 where these guys came from and you're like, this is this team's got the best bullpen in baseball and then their bats just just destroy other teams' bullpens. They do. It's it's incredible. I mean, Andy said the ERA the opposition's ER, – the the bullpen's ERA against the Rays is like 534 or something or 554. He said. I don't know off the top of my head, but it was like, wow. I mean, they just they just mash on that, and it's incredible. They're a late
0: starting offense. I can't explain it. They, they rarely jump on a team and run away. They rarely do that. Um, they may stay in the game and then mm-hmm. separate later, but it's, they, they are a late-inning team. Big weekend, and you're starting to see this pay off now for Nelson Cruz too. Mm-hmm. Um you know drove in five runs one day, another home run um, you know he fouled a ball off his foot pretty early when he got back to the Trot for that home stand. I think he was struggling with that, finally got a day off and I think that's made a difference as he starts to feel a little bit better, but he absolutely changes the lineup I mean he just mm-hmm. does and makes everybody around him better. you know Wander Franco's still swinging a hot bat. They've got a lot of guys that yeah. are sort of toasty. They they need to. I hope Razarenka comes
1: back Tuesday. He's yeah. been out for COVID related, yeah, something. And he didn't make the trip to Baltimore. They're hoping he'll be in Boston on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, and now the Red Sox are reeling. I mean, they you know
1: they're two and eight in their last ten games. While the Rays mm. are eight and two. So yeah. in the last ten games, you just made up six games again. You went from two down to four over them.
0: That's incredible. And
1: they blew a game That's- today. They were up eight to. Four no eight to five, I think. Mm-hmm. Eight no, eight to four. And they, they gave up five runs in the seventh inning or later. Barnes blew his fifth save of the season, and the Blue Jays won nine to eight. Wow. And so now what you're four up on Boston, the Yankees are only six and a half back, and Toronto's seven back. So Boston's only got a two and a half game lead on the Yankees and three wow. over the Blue Jays. As they're Tightening ba- up. as you know, at this point battling they're the top wild card. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, you think of how bad the Yankees have been this year at times, they're only two and a half out of the, the wild card now. Yeah. And Toronto's three back. I mean, it's it's crazy. But you walk, look around baseball and how many bullpens just give up late lead after late lead. And then you look at the Rays. And, and, you know, I mean, yeah, they blow a game here and there. But for the most part, they get to their bullpen. If their starter can keep it close early, they get to their bullpen and, and it, you know, they're going to shut you down. You better yeah. hope you scored enough against the starter almost against this race bullpen. It's incredible.
0: And they need to get some guys back. Colin McHugh coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, hopefully you'll have a few more uh, from the bullpen. We'll see if, if, if they, you know, end up with Chris Archer, who's working his way again um, after a minor setback. So yeah. Nick
1: Anderson, uh, you hope, although he was out Nick with Anderson. some COVID stuff. Yeah. and Yeah. Um, but, yeah.
0: But, Michael White, like, look, they're, the way they're going to have to do this is different than they've ever done it. I mean, you know. Outside of uh, McClanahan, um, you know uh, who's who's the number two pitcher would be. Uh, oh, the kid they got from from uh,
1: Patino. From yeah, Patino, yeah Patino, Patino. I mean, Yarbrough, so, you hope to eat some innings.
0: But he, he might be a bulk guy. He might mm-hmm. be a starter. I don't know. I don't know yep. what Yarbrough is. He's had he's gotten knocked around a little bit of late. Yep. Uh, but Michael Walker's has given up. Every, I mean, the hits. I mean, they they just ambushed that guy. I mean, he's. You know, yeah, I think he gave up 10 hits in four innings the other night. And, you know, they're going to keep running them out there simply because they don't have anybody. They need those innings early in games to try mm-hmm. to get to that bullpen that's locked down. But I could see a situation where it'll be matchups all the time, you know. And they can expand their rosters a little bit coming up here uh, in September, I guess. And so you can carry maybe a couple extra yeah, pitchers. A few, extra, a few extra guys, yeah. You don't yeah. get the
1: whole 40 man like you used no. to. No. But you could you three, could put it on, three on the extras, pitching side. Something like that, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, they're just they're just gonna have to mix and match and if the leverage situation comes in the fifth inning, well mm-hmm. then you're gonna put your best pitcher out there and try to get through that inning and hope that your offense does what it's done, which is hang around, hang around and then and then explode at the end of the games and you know, and, and score enough to win. So um it's if they if they do go deep in the playoffs, if they win the American League East, it's gonna look a little different than it has in the past. But I mean you can't argue with success. I mean, these guys and and you should beat Baltimore, and you don't want to lose a series to them. And when you can sweep somebody like that, you take advantage of it, and that's why they've got their lead. So
1: they're the second best record in baseball, and they're two games ahead of third. It's incredible. I don't. I mean, they're all behind day. the Giants, who are have already seventy one wins this year. I mean, the Giants have been on a incredible. Roll.
0: They've been on fire, yeah.
1: But I mean, you yeah. know, they're ahead of the Dodgers. They're ahead of the Brewers. They're ahead of the White Sox. The Astros. Incredible. I mean, you know, and it's and that included what what that eight game losing streak they had in there or seven, whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was like oh the the earth the sky is falling on this team.
0: Well, remember they lost the first two first two games not too many home stands ago. First two games to the Yankees mm-hmm. looked like they were going to get swept. Won that one, and then wound up in some you know playoff like atmosphere against the Red Sox and swept yep. them. Yep, um, and that's sort of what's propelled this latest run. So you know um good on them i mean brett
1: Phillips two grand slams in 8 days
0: he's great i, I lo- listen he plays with so much joy he's a hometown kid how can you not love him and then mm-hmm. to see his post game is is even more wonderful he has the absolute little league attitude you know like hey mom i hit a grand slam and they gave me a, a bunch of a case of cokes afterwards because of it you know like we used to have this thing in little league back in the day in azalea if you hit a home run they would give you a case of Pepsis, and it turns out my best friend led the league in home runs every year. So we were drinking Pepsi a lot, but uh, you know it's just that's and that's sort of like the joy that that Brett Phillips has when he plays. And tell you what, um, not for nothing, but you're gonna have to keep that guy in the lineup. I mean he he's a plus outfielder. He may not be Kevin Kiermaier, but he's pretty damn good. And of course, they, you know when Rosarina's back and, and Margot, that's a pretty good outfield. So,
1: well, you got to find room for Meadows though, because Cruz is your DH. So. I know
0: that's that's an issue, and so you're going to have to mix and match those guys out there, and you know do what you can to get them all in the lineup. But um, Phillips has done a really good job when he's been called upon, and he's a character for him. and I think that keeps the clubhouse loose and everything else. The sad news, of course, over the weekend, um, and this happened. Uh, uh, read about it early on Sunday is uh, Bobby Bowden, the Florida State coach, of course legendary college football. Um Dad Dad yeah. the Dad Gummet, he's uh, off to to another place uh you know, it, Listen, we knew he was sick. I guess uh they'd say pancreatic cancer maybe or something like that. Yeah, that's like what that.
1: uh initially the reports were just uh terminal condition. Yeah. Uh, Son Terry uh, later yeah. then said it was pancreatic cancer.
0: Right, but 91 years old, mm-hmm. so I mean what a what a tremendous life and 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 what a what a great human being first and foremost. Like mm-hmm. John Romano wrote a great, great column, you should check it out in the Tampa Bay Times. I think he made some really good points that um you know, he's to me he's every bit almost as big as Bear Bryant. But Bear Bryant, you know, was this huge imposing figure um that didn't give you much, you know, like he was pretty serious about football. I think savings like that, you know. Saban's a program, you know. I, right? I'm just here to run a program. all right. and then there's, you know, the Steve Spurrier who was sort of like the character and throwing the visor, and and he won a lot, but, um, you know, Heisman Trophy winner, popular guy. All you can say about Bowden, if you really look at his record, it's remarkable how consistent he was. I think for over a decade or thereabouts, they finished in the top five. Now, this is when there was, you know, voters, right? It wasn't, mm-hmm. there wasn't a playoff system, but to finish at least in the top five for like over a decade, you know, it's, it's the, the amount of consistency and the amount of wins, and he treated everybody so well that, you know, you, you just love the guy. I mean, you just felt win, lose, draw, it didn't really matter, and he won a hell of a lot more than he lost, but... There never seemed to be um, much bad to say about Bobby Bowden, unless you were a Gators fan and you didn't like losing to him. And, but but and it wasn't
1: personal. It just no didn't like. I mean, I think it was Nick Saban or maybe it was uh, Jimbo Fisher. I've seen so many of the you know pieces today of show. people talking about Bobby Bowden, but how you could go up against him and it was a great rivalry and, and that. But you didn't hate him, and he didn't hate you. And it was, you know, at, at the end of it, it was, hey, good game. And, you know, the respect and, you know, it wasn't that the, there wasn't the animosity with it. It right. was just he had that just down to earth, you know, that that southern drawl. The just everything about him was it was just it, it was genuine. And, yeah, you know, it was he was ha- happy and happy to help people. And, and, you know, he's always talked about, you know. I want to be remembered as, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'll paraphrase it, but the boys who played for me, you know, left better men than, you know, when they, when they started there and it had nothing to do with football, no. it was, it was, you know, I want them to be better people, period. Yeah, And, and football is a part of that, but you know, it was all about that. And, and the amount of reporters that I've seen that have covered them that, you know, fresh, you know, right out of college or maybe still in college and covering them and, and they missed a press conference, and he did a one-on-one interview with him afterwards. And yeah. happy, happy as could be to do it, or you know, just all yeah. the times he went out of his way for people. And you know, you, you hear that today, and that, and but that was just the, the way he was. I mean, he was just his phone number was listed; everyone knew where he lived. Yeah, you should call up. him. Yeah, you yeah. could call up um, uh, Tom Block, who does some stuff up in, in, in Tallahassee. I saw him. He had a great uh, uh, tw- Twitter thread. And he was like, you know, everyone knew you could, you know, come with memorabilia, leave it on the back porch, you know, with a note and three days later it'd be signed with a note back, you know, hey, thanks, <laughs> buddy, you know, and, and, and everyone knew that you could do that. And he would just, you know, it was just the way Bobby Bowden was and news would break. And, you know, even one of the stories was, uh, I don't remember who it was, someone had passed away. And so they went to his house for a comment and Bobby opens the door and he's on the phone with another interview. And meanwhile, the cat got out. And so Tom's out chasing the cat in the front yard, trying to grab the cat before, you know, Bobby's done with the other interview so that he can get his his quotes and stuff, you know, and it's just that kind of, you know, that's just the way he was.
0: Well, I'll say this. I, you know, I covered the Gators for a couple of years before the Bucks, and of course they went, they were going through all kinds of stuff. Um, both pro- programs ended up on probation, but I was jealous of Bob Herrig uh, who's now ESPN's golf writer because his his beat was Florida State, mine was Florida. And I mm-hmm. think that was true of a lot of us that covered the Gators because <laughs> the Gators were just a mess. And, and you know, like most college programs, access was not that great. You didn't have the coach's phone number in the phone book, all that stuff. But, you know, you'd hear these stories about Bowden, and, and you know, he always called everybody by their first name and, and you know, call them any time. And you, you, the access was tremendous, and you're always like, gosh darn it, you know, how come those Florida State guys can't get everything, man? Um, So I I didn't get a chance to cover about him, covered a lot of his games, did talk to him, you know, uh, in the past, but not to the extent of the sort of the testimonials you saw on social media and whatnot. But I I do know those who who did uh, know him very well. And, you know, maybe two of his his greatest players, and I think they sort of uh, exemplified what you're talking about in terms of, you know, turning out good people Mm -hmm. and good men. How about Derek Brooks and Warwick Dunn? Don't get much better than those guys. You can't get any better, maybe, than those two. And they both came right here to Tampa Bay. I know them very well. I know Mm -hmm. what they're about. And they both credit Bobby Bowden um, for helping them become those kind of uh, men. And, you know, I think uh, that's his greatest legacy. His greatest legacy is going to be, you know, the impact he had on so many lives and so many players' lives. And in and, and turn, what those players have done to improve their community as well. And finally, happy trails to the Olympics. Bum, bum, ba, dum, bump. They had, uh, hey, but don't worry, it's going to be back
1: in February.
0: Back again. Well, the, the, winter, winter? the Winter
1: Olympics, because it's 2022, will be in Beijing in oh, February. Oh, that's right. So. That's right. Wow. So you have to wait, like, you know, six months.
0: Yeah, coming up quickly, but these games were weird to me because, I, and I don't know, you know, part of it is, and we talked about this, uh, you know, in Japan, you're across, you're not just the time difference; it's it's literally another day. You're, it's, you're across the international date line, so mm-hmm. what is going on, you know, Tuesday night is, you know,
1: it's Wednesday like, morning over there.
0: Wednesday morning over there. So um, it's very difficult. I think that affects a lot of things, and then, and then the lack of. Of crowds and, and fans, um, sort of sterilizes the events and the performances a little bit. But for whatever reason, and I don't think the ratings are going to be very good. Look, the U.S. did terrific. I mean, they had the most gold medals, the most medals overall, exceeded uh, China.
1: Seventh year in a row they've had the most medals at the Summer Olympics. I think third year in a row they've yeah. had the most golds.
0: You know, the uh, men's basketball team pulled it together. Didn't look like that was going to happen, and Thank Kevin, you, Durant Kevin Durant was awesome. Yeah, just put you know now. Now the debate is: is he the best player in the NBA? Probably not, but um, certainly he he put them on their back. Greg Popovich got a lot of grief for losing some games over there, and but they 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 got it done against France when they needed to. So, all in all, um, here is the biggest storyline: COVID was was there, and some athletes could not compete because of it, mm-hmm. but it didn't become a story. It didn't become the story. It didn't destroy the games um, in terms of canceling so many events and whatnot. So thankfully, you know, Japan had put this off by a year. The athletes had to wait another year, you know, which is already four, now five. Um, they managed to get over there. They managed to have the games. And, you know, the U.S. did very, very well. So um, personally, I'm, I, don't, I think the Olympics have lost some of – their panache whatever that whatever that thing is i still enjoy seeing things i don't see i don't see competitive swimming um you know there was some great performances on both the men and the women's side you know there, there's just certain sports track and field i don't watch you know during mm-hmm. the year um and, and i don't watch the world championships but i absolutely loved watching track and field in the olympics so there's there's also other things that are yeah, I, there was a there. couple
1: of event the the 400 meter hurdles for the men stood out that
0: was great. Yeah. Where
1: Rye Benjamin breaks the world record by like six tenths of a second and loses mm-hmm. by a couple tenths of a second. And doesn't win. And yeah. he was in shock. And, and I don't blame him. I mean, he ran in right. un, unreal time.
0: That would suck.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that but, that's, but that's what you see in the Olympics. I mean, I know. I know. Um, you know, there was um, one of the women's swimming relays. Australia was favored to win. Mm-hmm. And it turns out China won. The U.S. took second. Australia finished third.
0: And got mm-hmm. smoked
1: in the relay, really. Although they said a world, they beat the world record too, but the other two teams did, right? Um, you know, but just I love seeing some of those performances. Yeah. Um, you know, when when you're not expecting, you know, when the unexpected happens, it's incredible in the Olympics.
0: And of course, you know, it'll be remembered for Simone Biles and her withdrawal from almost all the events, except she wins a bronze um, on the uh, on the vault, I believe. And so, the balance beam, I think. Oh, the balance beam, balance yeah. beam, not the vault. Yeah, the balance beam. So you know that that obviously is something that'll be talked about for years and years. So, listen, we'll we'll have the winter games coming up here uh, fairly shortly, but the NFL's in full swing. We got a preseason game coming up in not too long. I believe it's uh Saturday. Saturday? Yes, that's against correct. the the Cincinnati Bengals. Your Cincinnati Bengals? Yes. Joe Burrow. Tiger Burrell. King, the Tiger, Tiger King, King coming to town, you know. <laughs> so we got that going on. Um so, you know, I don't expect Brady to play. I don't expect Will he play you know, at all this
1: preseason?
0: I, I can't imagine that he, he would. I, well, I shouldn't say that. i Brady will play if, he w- if he gets
1: a series or two.
0: Well, Brady Brady will play if he wants to play. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. If he feels like, you know, hey, I just want to go in there, hand it off a few times, run a play action, get rid of the ball. I'm not going to get hit. I'm not going to sit there and hold it. Um, give me my guys. You know, let me get a little bit of rhythm in, in, in preseason speed. If he wants to do it, he'll do it. I can't. I don't think there's a big enough upside, though, to expose them to much. Um, And so I guess it's one that you know Arians will probably control. I know this about Bruce. He doesn't want to get anybody hurt. He knows that the only thing that takes them down and keeps them from being a contender again for a Super Bowl, I mean, is going to be injuries. And you can't control those things. But as much as he can control them, and he does with practice and
1: Mm -hmm. I
0: think how much he plays some of these guys – I, You know, we're still 30-something days, 30-something days away from any game that matters in the NFL. Well, it's one
1: month from today, so today yeah. is August 9th. Right. The opener is right. September 9th. So.
0: Right, exactly. So, you know, the goal is just to get them all to the starting line, you know, and get them all healthy. And, you know, I, I don't think there's a big enough upside, but again, I'm not going to rule it out because it's kind of what Brady feels like Brady needs, you know, and I don't think he— I don't think he needs to play, and he rarely plays, but if he says he does, he does. So we'll see. Uh, Again, I'm not anticipating. I think you're going to see a lot of Kyle Trask, a lot of Kyle Trask. It'll be good for him. Um, You'll see probably a little bit of Glenn Gabbert and probably a lot of Brian Griffin, and Griffin doesn't have a spot on this team unless Gabbert or Trask get hurt. Uh, And I don't even know that they carry him on the practice squad, which they can. You can carry veterans now in an expanded practice squad, but I think, you know, those are the guys who are going to play the majority of snaps at the quarterback position. So we've got a lot going on this week. Uh, train camp resumes, of course, uh, today. Tom Brady will be back after uh, partying, I guess, late night. I saw a Twitter feed where he was uh, at Peyton Manning's party. So I thought he, he told me that he was just going to go up and back and that he wasn't going to be around long. But maybe maybe he changed his mind. Maybe he went, went to Peyton's party a little bit. But we'll see. Um See if he's at practice tomorrow or today, I should say, by the time you guys listen to this podcast. So glad you're back, Steve. Don't ever leave again. Okay. Okay. Don't <laughs> stop killing deers with your cars. That's that's not a sport. Hunting deer with your car is not a sport. Not a fun one, no. Not, not a good one at all. So we don't want you to do that. Our thanks to Derek Sharp, who did a great job uh, in your absence. We uh, we kept the thing on the rails. I don't know how we did it, but he did.
1: I wasn't sure you were going to invite me back, so you know I'm glad to glad to know. Oh well,
0: yeah, well we, we got to have you. I mean this that's what Sports Day <laughs> Tampa Bay has been. It's what it's going to be. I've got an early flight uh, as we tape this podcast. I got a couple hours to uh, try to get some sleep, and then I'll be back at it. Uh, you know, starting today or tomorrow, depending on when you hear this, uh, at at the Bucks who will be preparing for their first preseason game, and we'll have all the coverage for that on tampabay.com or in the Tampa Bay Times. So glad to have you back, Steve. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.